Welcome to Tamra Talk Circular, where we explore how businesses, municipalities, and governments are collaborating towards a circular economy. My name is Mitu Moran. Did you know that fashion is the third most polluting industry worldwide? The only sectors polluting more are fossil fuels and agriculture. The fashion industry produces around 10% of our annual carbon footprint. And to give you some perspective, that's more than all international flights and maritime shipping combined. That's a lot. Beyond addressing the greenhouse gas emissions produced by the textile industries, we also tackle the growing mountains of textile waste and pollution. In May this year, a high-resolution satellite photo revealed a giant dump of unused textiles in Chile's Antacama Desert. If you haven't already seen this image, and I actually have, I urge you to take a look. It's, uh, it's amazing, and not the most pleasant sort of way. Joining us today is a very special guest, Hilde van Duyen, Head of Global Value Chains at Circular Economy. Hilde has worked extensively with some of the biggest global brands in fashion to improve their sustainability. And today, she is here to share her insights with us on what is needed to create a circular textile value chain. Hilde, welcome to the program. Thank you. So Hilde, let's get right into it. Some of our listeners might know Circular Economy from the annual Circularity Gap Report that your organization publishes, but perhaps you can take a minute to tell our audience a little more about Circular Economy and what you do there. Yes, of course. Uh, thank you so much for having me. Uh, Circular Economy is a foundation. It's an impact organization based out of Amsterdam in the Netherlands, uh, but operating globally. We also have a very big international team. Uh, we're around 75 people, but representing many different nationalities. Uh, and our aim is to empower governments, cities, and nations uh, to put circular economy into action. Well, we indeed do that by measuring how circular the economy is, for instance, through the Circularity Gap Report. But we also um, celebrate and share best practices because, of course, there are already great examples of what circularity uh, looks like. Uh, and we also uh, help to identify context-specific opportunities towards increased circularity. Um, and besides all of this, we are quite active as well in capacity building uh, to really share our knowledge, uh, frameworks, uh, methodologies for others to use. So we basically grow uh, this movement and our understanding on circularity. Okay. And I'm glad you brought that up, Hilda. There are already really great examples of circularity. Um, and it's great the work that you're doing with um, Circular Economy is actually working to take those be best practices and, and bring them out and expand them and make them scalable or, or enable making them scalable or educating people about how they can do it to accelerate towards a circular economy as, as quickly as possible. So thanks for joining us today to talk about one specific area of um, circular economy and that is textile and the industry um, and its challenges that the sector faces in transitioning to a circular economy. Today, textiles alone, if I understand correctly, make up 5% of global annual waste. And that might not sound like a lot, but actually it is a massive amount that actually we probably don't even, I don't think about um, on a daily basis. Where is all of this coming from? Is it fast fashion? Is that the guilty party? Um, or has it always been this way? Well, that's a great uh, question. 
Um, maybe to start with the concept of fast fashion, and I think you um, you hinted at it the right way, uh, or at least how most people hinted it, and saying, well, are these fast fashion brands the ones to blame? But what I would like to say about the concept of fast fashion is it's basically a behavior problem because many of the products that fashion brands produce, they could last for a very long time. However, we treat them as disposable products. And that uh, basically now results in the fact that we buy more textiles than we ever have done before. And we use it for an increasingly short amount of time before we dispose of it. So this is um, this mountain of textiles is of course mostly uh, created by our changed relation to textiles. Uh, so instead of keeping textiles for a long amount of time, repairing it, giving it to others, like really ensuring it stays in use, uh, we have really started treating textiles as disposable products. So this goes back to really what we've talked about in other podcasts, that really the level of consumerism has, is increasing and continues to increase. And perhaps that is the major culprit. Yes, yes, uh, uh, for sure. And of course, I mean, uh, there's more to textile waste than just these post-consumer textiles, but uh, that is the biggest um, volume of textiles uh, that we see lying around, especially if you see images of these uh, landfills, for instance, in a country like Chile, that is really the uh, result of our changed consumption patterns. Okay. And we've seen this, of course, with plastics being burned in incineration and landfilled uh, and shipped actually to other countries. So again, you brought up Chile. I'm sure that all of this uh, was not consumed and produced in Chile. So it's the same sort of situation, right? Yes. It's sort of this out of sight, out of mind mentality that you've indirectly alluded to. And we know that that does not work. So what do we need to do, in your opinion, to solve this? Yes, and maybe there's one uh, difference between the textiles and plastics uh, industry that we could also highlight here. And it is the fact that for textiles, at the moment that you dispose of them, ideally consumers don't put them in the household waste, but you would put them in a textiles collection bin. Because the beauty of textiles is that there is a secondhand market for them. So currently what happens in a country where you would have textiles collections, so for instance, uh, in a European country, part of those textiles would be collected separately. And then the textile sorter would reassess, is this suitable for a secondhand market? And if so, which secondhand market? So that now results in the fact that about 55% of all the post-consumer textiles that are being collected is actually being reworn, or at least is made available on the second-hand market uh, in uh, your old country or abroad. But then, uh, of course, that still leaves, as I said, 55% of textiles is currently uh, sold to the second-hand market. That still leaves 45% of all those textiles that is uh, in need of a good destination. Um, and there, often people think that these textiles are currently already being recycled into new textiles, and that is... Oh, really? Okay. And unfortunately, that's not really the case. I don't know. So out of all the textiles that are being collected, less than 2% would be recycled back into new textiles. And most of it would actually end up being either downcycled, so it becomes isolation materials, or it, it would be um, end up as a, a wiper. But it's many people that think of the wipers that they have at home that maybe you use for a long period of time. 
that these wipers actually are uh, disposable wipers. So they, those would be used only for one time before be, uh, being disposed of anyway. So even though it's better that your shirt becomes a wiper and is used once more before it's being uh, incinerated or landfilled, it's not a very circular destination either. Okay. And, and I agree with you. Um, and I, my eyes have been opened um, with all of the works that, that Trummer has been doing on textiles. So it's been interesting um, to hear where all of this material goes. When they're no longer suitable for reuse, okay, and they're not, as you, as you said, this once working into and in sort of a rag or a wiper, we need effective systems where textile waste is collected, sorted, and recycled into new fibers. That's what we're headed for. That's what we need to be heading for. So I've just read some pretty shocking statistics. As you've said, yeah, only 1% of textiles actually gets recycled back into the new textile products. Given all the media attention on climate change and sustainability, why isn't more happening? That's a very good question. Um, uh, there are many different reasons uh, why uh, there's not more uh, happening so uh, maybe just to follow the textiles again, uh, of course, so first thing, textiles need to be collected separately. Otherwise, uh, it's very difficult to give them a circular or valuable destination. That is not happening everywhere, and it's not always happening at a large scale. So that is maybe the first point is if you want wow. to turn textiles into something valuable at their end of life, they need to be collected separately then they need to be sorted. So there has to be someone, this is still very much a human activity, um, that needs to decide, is this suitable for the secondhand market or not? Because of course, I mean, also uh, at Zomera, you always want to aim for the, the most circular destination. Then if a garment can be reworn, of course that has to happen. So um, there always has to be someone to assess its suitability for the secondhand market. Um, but then, uh, if you know that a garment or a piece of textile is not suitable for the second-hand market, ideally you would like to turn it into new fibers. And then there's this very tricky component, uh, which means that you need to sort your textiles not based on their value on the second-hand market, but on their characteristics. So if you are a fiber-to-fiber -fiber recycler, you have very specific requirements to the composition of the textiles that you want to process. And that is really where newer technologies, like the ones uh, of Tamara, uh, um, come in. Because you need to sort your textiles based on fiber composition uh, to ensure that you uh, are able to provide to this recycler uh, the feedstock with the right characteristics. And the challenge really is to ensure that these uh, technologies for automated sorting of textiles based on composition are available at scale. And that is currently not the case. And I always refer to this as uh, some kind of chicken and egg problem. Because... As with many things. As with many things, yes, definitely. Yeah. Because what we see now is there's not a lot of uh, recycling capacity uh, worldwide. So fiber to fiber recycling capacity uh, is still quite uh, at low uh, scale. And is also very much focused on very, very specific fiber types because the current recyclers out there use mechanical recycling technologies. Mechanical recycling technologies are able to process mostly uh, cotton, wool, 
and acrylic fibers. So they have a very, very specific requirement as to their feedstock. However, most of the textiles that we um, buy and that we dispose of uh, contain a very large mix of fibers and often also contain synthetic fibers. And these synthetic fibers cannot be recycled using the existing recycling technologies. So we're all waiting for the day that chemical recycling technologies are available at scale. So there would be a bigger demand for feedstock for recycling, uh, hence also adding to the urgency of uh, scaling up automated sorting technologies like Tomra here. So, um, and, and that is very, very much, as long as there's no demand, it's very difficult to make the investments in, in automated sorting technology, or at least to have a business case that is positive to make these investments. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a rating, subscribe, and turn on notifications. Yeah, and, and the fact you say we're all waiting, we don't have time to wait. So what we can do now, we should. Um, and maybe it also goes back to design for recycling. So I know that you're working with some fashion brands to to look at those alternatives as well. How can you, as a uh, fabric manufacturer, how can you design for recycling, which might actually be able to take care of the technologies that are available today while we are waiting and not put everything on, on waiting on the future? Because I think... We don't have much time to waste. Actually, we have no time to waste. We have absolutely have no time to waste. And um, indeed, there are already quite some initiatives, of course, on design for for recycling. Um, however, what we see uh, there is that there's also quite, I would just say, a dilemma mm-hmm. between recyclability and durability. Um, so that is very interesting discussion within the textiles industry and also uh, with, for instance, European government that wants to set targets on, on circular textiles. If you would really focus on durability, we would from now on only buy polyester garments yeah. because polyester textiles will last for a very long amount of time. The big challenge is, as I mentioned at the start, it's our behavior. Because we have these yeah. textiles that could actually last for a long period of time, but we treat them as disposable products. So therefore, um, very quickly, they will end up at the sorter. And there we uh, then find that with current technologies, they are not recyclable. So there's this tension between, on the one hand, uh, durability uh, and recyclability. Yeah, got it. It's a very good point. And I think we see that when in other, let's say, packaging, I guess, Fashion is also a sort of packaging that we are patching and packaging ourselves within. So we see that in other product packaging. Um, that's a very good point. So the value chain needs major, yeah, let's call it a style makeover, for lack of a better way of saying it. And in preparation for our discussion today, I came across a fact from the United Nations Environmental Program. As you know, that they're also working on um, some treaties that would um, minimize plastic waste, if not eliminate it. 300 million people are employed in the textile industry, many of which are women. I imagine that these women are supporting entire families. How can we create a circular textile industry that helps these women and their families? I think and this is always very tricky, but this also illustrates it's not only about circularity, but it's really about the broader uh, systems change. The whole, I mean, the, the definition of circularity is not recycling uh, alone. It is about 
using less, using longer, using cleaner materials, and then, of course, if there's no other use, uh, recycle it. Um, and it, it, it is a, a quite a fundamental change. If you say, well, we should produce less, but produce in a better way, uh, produce under better conditions with better wages for workers to allow for better livelihoods for families in producing countries. But that is, of course, quite a big change. It's, it's really about uh, seeing the value of materials and of these products in a different way. And also very much like your analogy between the textiles industry and, of course, the fact that uh, textiles are the packaging, let's say, for our body. I think there's also a more obvious uh, link uh, between the two industries as well. And that is that currently, uh, if you would go to any big uh, fashion store, you will see a lot of recycled claims in the store. And that is also maybe why many people think that there's actually more textile recycling uh, going on than there actually is. And the fact is that all these recycled claims, well, many of them relate to the uh, recycling of PET bottles into polyester fibers. So PET bottles are being collected, which is of course great. And then they are being turned into polyester fibers that are being used to produce uh, textiles. So on the one hand, this is of course a great practice. However, I hope this is more like a stepping stone towards actual fiber-to-fiber -fiber recycling because the big challenge with these PET bottles being turned into uh, textiles is that PET bottles could stay within the PET bottle cycle endlessly. However, if they are turned uh, into polyester textiles, as we just mentioned before, there is no technology at scale yet now to recycle polyester textiles. So in that sense, these PET bottles, to contribute to, let's say, the recycling targets of fashion brands, they do leave the cycle of, let's say, the more circular uh, system of PET bottles. Yeah. So basically what you're saying, um, and something we've talked about before, is we need to get to fiber to fiber recycling and not PET or bottle to fiber, which is what, what we see more at New York, what we see today. Because in the end, it all comes down to virgin resources. And if we take the PET from the bottles and put it into fabrics and into textiles, um, and they're not recycled in more than one, one loop, then we're not keeping things in a closed loop. So there are many benefits to getting to fiber to fiber. Keeping the PET bottles, the bottle to bottle, and the fiber to fiber will help actually preserve Mother Earth, which is what we need to do as quickly as possible. And uh, I'm really glad you brought up this uh, human welfare aspect. Sometimes we forget that. And I think it is something that needs to be taken into consideration when looking at all of the, the circularity and, and closing the loop. And I, I, I truly believe there is a way to achieve symbiosis of making all the systems work. It's, it happened hundreds and millions of years ago. Why shouldn't it be able to, to be possible today? Before you go, I'd like to ask you a final but a little bit more personal question. And I say this in my own family. Um, and you said, I think you said you have children. Um, what would your advice, thinking about consumerism now, what would be your advice to a teenager who wants to go shopping for a new outfit? What, they should, what should they be looking for? Yes, and I get this question uh, a lot. Also from people that are not teenagers themselves, but that just are looking for the way to shop guilt-free. Uh, I would say, and there really is no silver bullet here. 
So I think that the best thing that a teenager or any person can do is just really reconsider purchases. So is it something I need? Is it something I want to use for a long time? Um, and uh, and often when we um, uh, we make these considerations, we might actually find out that maybe there's not really a need uh, to go shopping. Um, and if we go shopping, I mean, it's at least what I always tell myself, if you buy something, then buy the thing you really, really want instead of going for a second best option because you think it might be more sustainable. Because the most sustainable thing we can all do is ensure that we, in the end, consume less. So if you consume, it should be something that you're absolutely in love with and you will use for a very long amount of time. And I think that is really uh, what is uh, most important. And maybe also as a notion to this uh, teenager, because I know that um, sometimes it's also very much uh, depressing or demotivating to hear, of course, all the negative impacts of, well, for instance, uh, in the fashion uh, industry. And uh, as you mentioned, I work with uh, fashion brands, but also with textile collectors, with textile sorters, with textile recyclers and, um, and garment manufacturers as well. And I would just like to emphasize that uh, the positive thing is there are no bad guys in this industry. That is really my experience. So everyone is in this industry with the right intentions. I mean, if you talk about circularity, there's no one that will say that it's uh, not needed. I think we're still on our way to finding the right way to organize this. I definitely think that there's a huge uh, need for investments in infrastructure, in sorting and recycling of textiles to ensure that there are circular opportunities for textiles at the end of their life. But to this teenager, I would really like to emphasize that keep up the hopes, keep also, of, of course, investigating for instance, the textiles industry, where do your garments go when you dispose of them? Ask questions, uh, but also know that there are many, many people throughout the whole value chain that have the best intentions. Um, and that I, I'm a strong believer that this transition to more circularity uh, will happen. You know, on this very positive note, thank you very much. We appreciate uh, the time you've taken that we know you're very busy. Um, lots of insights, um, especially the focus on consumerism. Excellent stuff. So thank you very much. And with that, we wish you a wonderful vacation, a well-deserved vacation. And we look forward to talking to you again. Me too. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Our pleasure. For our listeners who would like to hear more about textiles recycling, please check in. We have two episodes that were streamed out in October and November of 2022, uh, which might give you an oversight of the entire recycling process. Thanks very much, and thanks again, Hilda.